Hi, I'm Chef Stacy with Simply Pure. Hi, I'm John Arena from Metro Pizza. Hi, my name is Ryan Brown, co-owner of Classic Jewel, and you are listening to Two Sharp Chefs. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louie Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Louie, happy Women's History Month. Hey, March. It's our month. Actually, it's our birthday month and Women's History Month. So it's just like a super cool, super super March. Um, So Women's History Month actually started not that long ago in 1987, Louis. So in our lifetime. Yeah. And International Women's Day is actually March 8th, which is the release of this podcast. So that's very cool as well. Um, The reason why we celebrate Women's History Month is because we're way behind men when it comes to things that have happened in history over time. So I'm going to give us a few firsts and you might be kind of shocked about the years that this, these things happened. So number one, Margaret Sanger, she opened the first birth control clinic in the U S in 1916. Hmm. That's very important. Um, Edith Wharton. She was the first woman to win a Pulitzer prize. That's in 1921. And Sandra Day O'Connor was the first woman on the Supreme Court. That's all the way in 1981. And of course, we all know this. 2021, Kamala Harris becomes the first female, the first black person, the first black women, the first South Asian to be the vice president of the United States of America. So for us, we just joined the Women's Hospitality Initiative last year, along with pretty much every other cool woman in this city. (laughs) Talk to us a little bit about that. So the Women's Hospitality Initiative was actually founded based on the statistic that only 7% of female culinary school um, attendees actually make it to an executive chef or or working at at a level as an executive chef or owning their restaurant. So cool people, uh, women, cool women of Las Vegas came together and decided to help that statistic grow. So basically that that 7% was actually in a documentary called The Fine Line. So mm-hmm. our friends, Elizabeth Blau, Mary Jo Kelly, Jolene Menina, and a whole bunch of uh, cool women in the hospitality industry came through and formed the Women's Hospitality Initiative, which was actually launched last year, just a little bit before COVID hit. But, yeah. but the organization provides support, networking, education for females who want to pursue any type of success in this industry which is super cool. It's very cool. Please join us. We have Chef Emily Brubaker with us today from Al Salito Posto, the newest, hottest restaurant in Summerlin right now. Louis, did you know that Al Salito Posto means in the usual place? Oh, that's the restaurant that we are talking about today. We are talking with Chef Emily Brubaker, known as Chef Brubs on Instagram. (laughs) Um, We're so happy to chat with you, a fellow women's hospitality initiative. 
woman. Um, Women's History Month. This is really very cool for us. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Emily. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad to be on with you guys. Um, so fabulous. Um, I've been to the restaurant. It's, you can see the space behind her. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's stunning. Um, the food is wonderful. Um, honestly, I can't say enough about it. I was very impressed. Um, so first of all, let's talk about the food. Okay. It's East coast Italian, right? Tell us a little bit about what that means as compared to say Esser's, the other restaurant that James Trees is involved with. So East Coast Italian is the idea of like, when you think of like New Jersey or New York or even Pennsylvania, it's that like red sauce, mafia, family style, heavy, but like, you know, you can picture dishes that when you say East Coast Italian, you think of like the giant bowl of Sunday sauce or spaghetti and meatballs or chicken Parmesan, like that red, deep, rich, kind of heavy sticks to your bones, makes you warm kind of flavors. Um, with the idea of still really traveling back to Italy and looking up, uh, like the classic techniques and everything. Uh, the difference between us and Esther's is Esther's is more of that. Like, I think James calls it like a West coast Italian. So you get a little bit more of that melting pot flavor. You know, we make a pesto that's very traditional with like basil and the garlic and the pine nuts and everything you would expect in a pesto where James is doing down at Esther's, they're doing, um, a black kale and almonds. So just a little different still plays on classic food but just california is that mixing pot melting pot put everything together kind of place and we're just giving the ode to the traditional east coast style we can see that beautiful space behind you how do you feel in that space because you got a nice open kitchen there as well you can see out to that beautiful dining room and i will say louis too it's it's super like warm and dark and romantic in there yeah um, I'm, this is my comfort zone. Um, I'm coming from my last restaurant was big and cavernous. It was dark though, like black and romantic. Actually the last few that I've been part of have all been that dark, romantic, large open spaces. Um, so this feels like home to me. I love the size of the restaurant. I love the openness. I love being able to turn around and see like almost every guest face. Um, I love open kitchens. Like they, they are a whole new thing for dining when you're not used to them because you're on stage you're constantly being watched because you're entertainment in the in the restaurant you're not just cooking a meal and sending it through a door you're actually people are watching every step you make and um i think it's a fun idea i think it brings you a little more intimacy to the people so when you're in or the guests so when you're in a room this big it it connects you to them so i think it's fun um I, speaking of seeing the kitchen and I'm getting to see you in the kitchen, um, you know, I love referring to chefs as just chefs, whether they're man or woman or whatever, but there is something about it for me personally, because of what I've done and what I'm doing and what Louie's doing. It's extra special to me when I see a woman at the head of the kitchen. Um, Louie and I just talked about, you know, the women's hospitality initiative and how it's such a small number of women at the very top of restaurants. And you're one of them. What does that mean to you? And why was it important for you to also join the women's hospitality initiative? 
that's honestly through my career, I never saw myself as different in the kitchen. I never saw this gender until I got further along in my career. Um, so starting out, I was a cook pushing as hard as the person next to me. Um, and I never looked back and, and re- I, now I've looked back and realized uh, what kind of differences there were, what kind of how people treated you one way or another way. And um, for me, it's like I'm, I'm a mom. And so being in the head of a kitchen, I've never had a chef like I've only worked for male chefs. I've never had a female chef, Um, maybe one or two that were like lower ranked. And um, like I look at my kitchen as a family, like we are a family. It's the same way I look at my children. We are growing. Mistakes are made. It's how we learn. Um, It's a big deal, I think, because you come from kitchens where you're yelled at and screamed at by like a very masculine dominating voice. And it, even for men, it's, it's, it's a frightening thing. Um, I think with the women's initiative, we're trying to change that. It shouldn't have to be in a kitchen where you're fearful of the person who's above you. It should be that collaborative team thing. And I, I don't want to say that our men counterparts don't do it, but I think women are just prone to collaboration and to growth as a team rather than an individual growth. Right. I I totally agree with you. Um, You in celebrating women's history month, which we're celebrating right now in March. um, It's also about to me um, honoring the achievements of women, whether they decide to go and be in the professional workplace or decide to be at home. And um, I would like to talk to you a little bit about that too, because I know after eight successful years at Sage at Aria, you took a tiny break to be, you know, with your kids, you have two children. Um, What was that like to you? And what does that mean to you? Oh, talk about it. Like having a split, like mind on everything. Um, I I've been cooking for 20 years, take out those three years. Uh, my husband's also a chef. And so the two of us were growing and like, we literally started our professional careers at the same time. Um, being at Sage for eight years, watching it success, being such a big part of it. And like, I mean, that kitchen was home. I love it still. I'm sad. It won't be coming back. Um, but it was my time to leave. And it was the time when my kids were two and three. And it was that like, we both like had kids not to have someone else raise them. We wanted to be parents. We both, I come from a family that got divorced when I was seven. And so like my life was very split and I just wanted to be part of my kid's life. I didn't, I was a latchkey kid. So I wanted to be there. Um, however, leaving the kitchen, like killed a huge part of me. Like I meant to cook. I meant to be in the kitchen. I meant to be around food. And even though I went to sales and I went to things that were involved with food, I was just, I mean, I don't want to be like super negative about anything, but I was like hating everything in my life. It turned out to be like, love my favorite family, love everything, but I would like come home and just be like, this is what I have. Like, this is, and it's enough, but it was, I felt lost. I didn't feel like me. Um, so when this opportunity kind of came up, I was like, I need to do this. This is who I am and I need to be back to it. Um, so I, I commend people who become stay at home moms. I'm not that person. Um, I need to be with food and with people in the same minds. It, it just, it makes me a better person and it makes me enjoyable. (laughs) So I definitely, um, it it was a struggle. It was a weird three and a half years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, Louie and I um, actually did a few episodes about being with somebody that's not in the kitchen as a chef. <laughs> Remember that, Louie? Married yeah. to the restaurant. Um, and we actually talked to a psychotherapist about it, about what it's like to date a chef. Um, what's interesting to us is that your hashtag chef life and your hashtag chef wife. <laughs> so that makes you a little different than, well, I can't even think of another pair. Can you think of one, Louie? Not, the not like at the top right of the now. game. Yeah. Like, so you've got Jake, your husband, who's <laughs> a chef for the Raiders Yep. at the top of his game. And you're at the top of your game in the super hot Summerlin restaurant. Um, how are you guys doing it? Because like Louie and I always say, it's not easy dating us, especially when we're like 50, 60 hours in the kitchen. We come home feeling shitty. We're yelling behind it. People like it's just a, we smell like seafood. Like if there's all kinds yeah. of bullshit that comes with dating a chef. So how do you guys make it work? Uh, well, I don't think Jake and I know any different. We met in a kitchen. Uh, we, we both started our careers at the Ritz Carlton when there was a Ritz Carlton here in, in Vegas. And, um, we followed our mentor to San Francisco to open a restaurant together in the kitchen. I was actually above him. I was the sous chef. He was the tornot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then, then we, I was like, I'm going back to Vegas. And we weren't together at that point. We were roommates and just kind of like having fun and nothing like serious. And I was like, I'm going back to Vegas because I really fell in love with it. Um, he came back and that's when we kind of started dating. Um, and honestly, it's like, I was at Sage. He, when I was at Robichon, he was at Daniel Balud. When I left Robichon, he went to Latelier. When I went to Sage, we were opening a pizza place and we were like, Hey, Jake, come be the executive chef of the pizza place. So it was all in the family again. Um, I ended up having, uh, I ended up having my son the first year that 550 was open. So then it was like, and the brew baby was part of the McLean group. And it was just like, okay, we're like this thing. Um, and it just continued on. And when we realized that like, it wasn't working, one of us had to work days and one of us had to just be a chef. So that's when I went to the mornings and I mean, Jake was so lucky. And so, I mean, he just landed where he wanted to be with the NFL and being the um, executive chef for the Raiders and with Gary and with all of that and with their training schedule, he was there in the mornings. So it kind of realized like, Oh, with you running this now, I can start going back to the nights and it all kind of fits really ironically into place. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Um, speaking of the kids. So you say you claim like many of us that you're not a baker. Not um, a baker. <laughs> see your Instagram though. You've got a shit ton of cookies on there that look super delicious. Um, could it possibly be like a bribery thing for your children? They're actually not for my children. They're for oh. my nanny. <laughs> oh, oh. bribing your nanny? <laughs> she, she demands cookies every week. Um, so every week she has very specific cookies that I cannot make. Um, but she always comes to me and she goes, look at this on Tasty or look at this on whatever, you know, Facebook video right. cookie thing. <laughs> or I get like other random requests or like I'll have a craving and be like, this is what I'm doing. Um, but I actually make the cookies for her every week. Um, awesome. yeah, cause the kid and the kids are hate it because they want the cookies. And I'm like, no, no, they're for Sarah. And, um, Sarah uses them to bribe, um, some of the places they go, like they rock climb and they do some 
other things. And she knows people at these places. So cookies are payment. Um, So it's a slow trickle of things. But yeah, cookies, I'm not a baker. It's one of those things where some of the cookies look terrible. Some of them turn out bomb. Um, (laughs) But it's one of those fun things. Cookies actually started at Sage. Uh, We used to do Cookie Saturday, where the pastry chef and myself would alternate every week and we would bake cookies for the staff. And uh, when you were having a bad night or you're just in the weeds or whatever, you'd run in the back and you eat a cookie and you get back on the floor or in the, on the line. And it was like this fun kind of sugar high that we always pushed. Um, and I just got reminded of cookie Saturday recently. And I was like, Oh yeah, we used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. That's but, a great um, idea. I love yeah, that. A great tradition to have in any kitchen. I love it was and I didn't know that they were acceptable forms of payment now. So I'm going to start like, <laughs> keeping a bag of cookies with me. Whatever, whatever right. So, like, I want fresh cookies like, and people be like, yeah. great. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. It's so awesome. Um, still on the topic of baking. So we're going to take this a little bit further because uh, we, we well, many of us, including you, uh, did a little sourdough starter during this pandemic. Um, my favorite part, Louie, is that she named it My Corona. My Corona. She had a name for it. Um, it's like just like a... I don't know if you've ever, you guys out there have done like a sourdough starter. It's like a baby. It's like, it's like a living thing you got to feed every single day. What was that like for you, Emily? Um, well, you know, in the craze of the lockdown, I think everybody started either a starter or garden or some kind of home project. And mine was easy. I was like, I'm going to do a starter. That's flour and water. How could we possibly run out of flour in the grocery stores? Um, right. So so I started, uh, the starter, my Corona. I thought it was funny. Um, maybe I was like drinking a little bit much in the beginning, um, and rocking out to some eighties. Uh, but I've kept it. It's, it's still living. The smell of it is amazing. Um, I have, I've only made a few loaves of bread. My first loaf was like a Frisbee, like a Frisbee rock. It was so, I mean, it was, yeah, exactly. It was like this big and hard. And I, um, I actually took pictures of it and sent it to James. It was like, what did I do wrong? Like, this is just awful. And he guided me through like don't try to make bread out of this for a while. And I was like, no, okay, (laughs) easy enough. Um, But English muffins turned into the kid's favorite thing. We make English muffins with the discard all the time Uh, and just playing with different things with the starter. And my starter is almost a year old. I just, uh, I've got all these little baby starters. I gave one to the Raiders. So their pizza dough is being made with my Corona. So yeah, (laughs) I love this. That's the other thing about starters that are so great with the pandemic is that they're shareable. Yep. Uh Yeah. Like I want to get my hands on chef Benoit's. He's got like oh, yeah. a really old yeah. Italian one. And I'm yeah. just like, can I have a little bit, just a tiny, tiny little bit, please? I, w- I would love to get like a little bit of starter from like everybody who has. Oh, yeah. Just put them all together. Like, like a nice little Las Vegas lineage. Like a Franken starter. Yeah, Franken starter 2021. That would be badass. And then you could just like check in, you know, with people like every month, see what it looks like. Oh, my God. I love right. That. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of bread, um, that focaccia is fucking lit. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, Emily was talking about, you know, just like the rich Italian and just like, and they like just threw all this stuff at me and I was just like so full, but I was still wanted more focaccia. That's how good it was. Mm-hmm. 
Um, talk to us about that focaccia because I think it's going to be memorable for a lot of people. And then wait. just how you dip it, you know, and it's tables. Oh, there's so many things, but. Um, so we wanted to do fresh baked bread at the restaurant and we wanted to do it where it would make sense on what can we actually produce and do and be able to have something, but not fill people up too much. Um, so focaccia became the thing and James gave us a recipe and said, play with this. And that's when I was like, I'm not a baker. Um, <laughs> so my first focaccia turned into a sheet pan rock. Uh, same idea. I came out of the oven. I was like, it's a giant breadcrumb. Great. Yeah thin I've hard done I've totally done that and I, I like was like nobody oh my god and no, I just terrible and I was like nobody look at it um and I kept making them I made them for like three days where I just would make like six focaccias a day and every focaccia was sometimes better sometimes worse sometimes what did I do um baking is such a science and I am such a savory cook where you're like a little of this a little of that take right. a little of that do a little of this can't do that with baking it no. turns into a rock um, so eventually, amazingly enough, I was able to reproduce a focaccia that was fluffy and light and olive oily and just really nice that people seemed to like it, um, which is really exciting. Um, before we opened and we were kind of just doing play days and mock services, um, I had people even just like other chefs in the community being like, so it's Christmas time. I'd really like to get like some focaccia. I'm like, well, how much? do you want so we ended up baking i want to say like at least two loaves of it just to give to other people for their christmas dinners which was you know i was a little like good job we did focaccia you know what louis coming up march it's louis birthday and in march Okay, heard. Going on. <laughs> we can yeah, definitely do something. Yeah. And uh, with in the beginning when we were talking about the bread service, um, I right away was like, wouldn't it be fun to do something table side that would be like a dip? And like yeah. James was like, oh, remember when PF Chains used to do this awesome dip? Yeah. I think, and I was like, yeah, let's make it like Italian. And so we were just kind of working through it and it came together and we were like, let's see what people think. And it, I mean, it, it's special. Like it's not, here's a pat of butter. Here's some olive oil and vinegar. It's actually a thought out process and uh, it's a nice start to your meal. Yeah. It's like garlic and just like beautiful and, oil and breaking it up in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, yeah, please. It's amazing. Um, all right. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, we want to ask you, cause you've been in Vegas for a long time, just like us, um, describe for us a like beautiful, amazing Vegas night for you. Like, where do you go? Like, where would you eat? Who would you be with? Is there an after hours? Just describe that for us. Um, my number one place, uh, like, so a night out would be my number one place in the city is EDO. Um, I am a huge fan ever since day one, they opened, I was a fan of the truck. Um, Oscar's so just, he's just one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. Um, their whole, everything they do, uh, gin and tonics blew my mind. I wasn't a gin person. And, uh, Jolie Manina was like, you gotta start drinking gin and tonics. I was like, 
started at EDO, never looking back. Just um, so a night there, you know, it's and you leave and you're never like super full. Like it's the perfect amount with the little bites. Um, and then usually like it'd be nice. I mean, it's hard now, but like to go somewhere with a view and have a cocktail or like have some wine. Uh, like there's all sorts of great little wine bars like Garagis downtown. Um, I mean, having cocktails just at your favorite restaurant. I don't really go to the strip as much. Um, I worked there for too long. Uh, I just, I have no need to go back, honestly, uh, other than to go visit friends, restaurants. Um, and then I, like, I would be with Jake, Jake and some friends. Like we have a, I have a mom group that I love that is really fun just to go and get some cocktails with and just look at new places. There's so much in this short period of time of like, you know, sadness and closures that there's been a lot of places opening that I haven't gotten a chance to go to yet. So I'm really um, looking forward to just going and sitting at a bar and just getting a drink and a bite. Yeah, me too. Um, So show and tell. Oh no. Chef Emily, did you bring something for us? So my show and tell is this little sad bird's beak. I've had this knife for close to 15 years. It's a very thin, very cheap uh, knife that a chef friend of mine brought back from Thailand when I was working at I believe Fleur de Lis. And this knife has done everything and anything. And I'm amazed I still have it because it is red plastic, cheap knife that he brought back from Thailand for me. It shrank a little bit. It used to be a little longer. Um, But when I was at Robichon, you couldn't peel asparagus with a peeler. You had to peel with a knife. This is the only knife that like I ever found that made it perfectly green where you'd still see the bumps. most of the people who were in the kitchen with me would always use this knife. Um, at Sage, it was a knife to tourney. It was the knife to clean foie. It was the knife for many, many, many projects at that restaurant. Even when I was uh, with sales at MGP, this knife would come out. Um, when the night, the Golden Knights did a night to remember, I carved a wheel of a cheese that's called. Um, Oh my God, the name is escaping me, but it's a it's a cheddar that's rubbed in a lavender and espresso, and I carved out the Golden Knight beehive. symbol in it. Beehive, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, beehive, it's a very specific one, and I can't yes. think of the name of it. But um, but then I used this knife to be able to carve barely the buzzed. barely buzzed. You got it. That shit's good. It's, it's so good. good. So for the for the event, we had a huge cheese spread, and I took a whole wheel of it and I carved the knight uh, symbol out of. It. So it was the yellow coming through the black and we were able to put it up and that was this beautiful little knife. And uh, and now this knife is my um, extruder die cleaner for all the like rigatonis to get all the dried pasta because it's just, it's the thinnest knife I've ever had. And I mean, it's gone everywhere and I hope that it continues to follow my career. Yeah, I mean, you're so lucky it hasn't walked out of the kitchen. I'm amazed it hasn't walked out of the kitchen because every, because I mean, at Robichon, it was like you, there's so many people that work in that kitchen with you. And we would peel like cases and cases and cases of asparagus with a knife, very lightly, still green, perfectly round, couldn't show uh, edges. And I mean, I used to take asparagus home and peel it in front of the TV. So I, then there would be days where I would take it home and I'd be like, where's my knife? Because somebody else was just like, had it with them to peel it at home. So yeah. I'm very lucky that I still have it. That's yeah, it's so got some awesome. sort of magnetic pull to you. You're so lucky. Yes, um, I love it. <laughs> all right, Louie, get your timer ready. Woo-hoo. We're going to move on to On the Fly. It's our last segment. Okay. 
Emily, 60 seconds, rapid fire rapid questions. Fire. Say the first thing that comes to your mind. Louie, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do All this. right, let's do that. On the fly with Chef Brubs. And go. go. Favorite Italian food? Um, Pasta. <laughs> what kind? Uh, rigatoni. So what's your pandemic comfort food? Uh, tequila. <laughs> that qualifies. Okay. It does. <laughs> Sorry. Trevor says yes. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh man, it would be to be like Wonder Woman and just super strong and like just like live forever because you just heal yourself. Yeah. Would you be a cook forever though? Yep. Yep. That's so awesome. Okay. Dream spot to travel and eat. Greece. Favorite swear word. Shit. Period. <laughs> <laughs> your, your cooking soundtrack. My cooking soundtrack? Anything Quentin Tarantino. Oh, oh nice. I love one. that. First thing you'll do when the pandemic's over. Oh, uh, travel. Yeah. Yep. 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 Keep going, Lou. Best thing about Chef Life? Food, eating. Yes. Worst thing about Chef Life? Food, eating. <laughs> <laughs> Louie? Favorite thing to do in San Diego? San Diego. You guys know that's my hometown, right? Yes. Okay. The whale's um, vagina. The whale's vagina. vagina. <laughs> <laughs> um, just going to the beach, hanging on the beach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What, what beach do you go to? I go to Moonlight. It's a local's beach up north. Oh. Yeah. It's a very, very north south of Carlsbad, north of Del Mar. Yep. Wow. You just gave away a secret because I don't know that beach. It's a very small local's beach. Oh, one last thing. Chef Emily, sell it for all Salido Posto, whatever you want to say. This is your time. Um, all Salido Posto, this is the place you want to come that you want to start feeling like Norm from Cheers. The idea that we have here is that this is your usual place. You get the food that you expect to eat, that you're thrilled to eat. It's better than you expect. The drinks that are handcrafted per cocktail to a level that you wouldn't expect. Um, service with a smile. People remember your name. Um, just an, uh, an extraordinary uh, experience outside of the strip with the same kind of feeling that you're in a cosmopolitan metro kind of area um and awesome. get the wagyu strip loin and the fried burrata because they are straight fire bomb seriously straight so fire good bomb. straight fire bomb all right thank you so much chef emily you're the best thanks for yes. being with us today thank you ladies have a wonderful day thank you thank you Bye. thanks for listening to two sharp chefs in a microphone we love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs. That's with a number two on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week.